What's up, guys? Welcome to Just So We're Clear, a podcast brought to you straight out of Singapore with your hosts, Marissa True and myself, Hanley Hofer. Now, if you've listened to us before, well, you know the deal. But if you're new here, well, hey, welcome. So on this show, we cover pretty much everything to do with modern life, female empowerment, sex, mental health, finances, you name it, we do it in the most uncut way possible. Mm -hmm. So grab a coffee, maybe even a glass of wine. No, definitely some wine. Light a scented candle. Or maybe you're at the gym or you're cooking your dinner. But consider this next hour your time to feel like you're not alone. Because trust us, we get it. It's just so we're clear. Hello. Welcome. Did you, oh, we don't even need to do that anymore. You heard our intro. They don't need us. You guys know who we are. And if you don't know the deal, well... Rewind. Check it out. Henley and Marissa here coming to you from a really chilled out Friday. We're in a oh. really good mood. Marissa took a day off work. We're about to join some girlfriends at the beach later. It's been, you know what? I'm looking forward to this day because it's been a long time since we've had this like wholesome outdoor experience. And I think there is something to be said about actively giving yourself a day off because I woke up this morning just thinking, yes, Mm. because I mean, I work on Monday to Friday. So I'm like, okay, we'll just wait for the weekend. But to actively and consciously say Friday we're canceling all meetings. We're telling everyone we're out of office. We're going to go to the beach, maybe have a mojito. Like, oh, it's just so relaxing. Just to, just to You don't even have to do it yet. Just thinking about it. So yeah, guys, that's the energy we're coming to you with today. Today is a solo episode. Just me and Marissa talking crap. <laughs> As per usual. But quality crap because we were dissecting. <laughs> High fiber crap. Yeah. We're the premium crap. Yeah. The, like the clean. Sorry, no, we don't need to get into it. I was going to extend the poop metaphor and I really, it'll just go down a dark slope. Oh no, see, it's happening. So just to really quickly stray away from that. Yeah, please. We were dissecting what kind of topics to talk about today. And the way we do that with this podcast is kind of recap the themes going on in our recent lives. Mm-hmm. And one of the themes that has come up for me is recognizing my frugal habits that I adopted from my Asian mother. Don't we all have those? Even in that sentence, if you have an Asian parent, (laughs) you already know. Yeah. (laughs) But the thing is that you never really wake up to it because I think you grow up thinking, oh my God, why won't my mom just let me buy this? And then suddenly you realize she was right. The whole time. She was right. It would be so annoying when I was a kid because my mom would always ask me, yes, but do you need it, Henley? I know you want it, but do you need it? And I'd be like, yes, I do need this like sugar-covered cornflakes. She (sighs) deprived you of even that. That's like $2. Yeah. Well, Cynthia, my mother, she had a very different approach to what she felt her children needed. And anyway, the point is, I... I feel like that has affected me in my adult life. Okay, so what are the things you're really frugal about and what are the things that you're a bit more indulgent with? Okay, so I have a whole story behind this that I recognized recently. My mom was very DIY when it came to clothes, fashion. Like, she's the kind of mom that if we walked into, like, Guess, H&M, whatever, as a kid... 
she would be like, I can make this for cheaper. And she wouldn't let me get what I wanted. <laughs> okay, so your mom said, I'll just, like, I can DIY it. Yeah, I can make this for much cheaper. Yeah. My mom said, you can do this and make it yourself. Oh, my God. She was like, you can do it at home. Every time I was in a cafe, I wanted a dessert. She was like, you can make that at home. And then my personal favorite is she would come at me because every single time and to be fair I was guilty of this I would see something on the menu conveniently it would always be the most expensive thing and so my mom knew that I was the one to rein in on spending okay so yours was a food thing I, <laughs> mine was a fashion thing <laughs> I spent so much money on food okay yeah okay so here's the thing I think I went through a phase in my early 20s where I did a reversal right so because my mom was the kind of mom where she's like no I can make this for you don't need to buy all these clothes we can just get your auntie to sew it I have a sewing machine I felt like growing up I didn't have a lot of choices in my wardrobe so my mom would splash out on clothes for us oh. she bought us so many clothes that's one that's where my mom was not frugal like we okay no frugal yes like cost conscious we only ever went for the summer sales like all the discounts and things but if it was discounted my mom was like set yourself up with a nice wardrobe but it was like you know, that was back in the day when she paid for it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So because growing up, I felt a sense that I didn't have so many options with my clothes. Like I really was the kid that if I had, I had like one pair of overalls that I eventually wore to the point where like you shouldn't be wearing those anymore. Like they're too tight in areas. There was friction. There was friction. It just wasn't cute. I went from like a cute girl barefoot in overalls to just like this pre homeless child teen, like <laughs> <laughs> looking like I'm in a onesie, but not cute. That's like where it came from which is ironic because now I like to think that like I dress well mm -hmm. and so like the contrast of like this kid who just had scruffy clothes that she just wouldn't give up to who I am now there's a story so because my mom I felt wouldn't let me you know have uh, extensive wardrobe options whatever um, when I started making my own money I went insane with buying my own clothes like I actually I felt like I overdid it. Like I, I was excessive and it was a little bit vengeful. Uh -huh. It was like suddenly now I have the freedom. I'm going to buy, I'm going to wear whatever I want. And I did. And I like went all out. And I mean, I definitely slowed down. But it's interesting to see how I went so opposite. And I just wonder, like, was I the only one? So with clothes, yeah, it was always something my mom was more than happy to help us dress well. And so she would always buy us really, really nice clothes. But when it came to food and eating out, food at home was always food at home. Like, you know, the whole, there's always food at home. Why you got to eat out? I, every single summer holiday, we would travel somewhere probably to Europe because we'd visit my family in the UK. And then we maybe go to France or Spain or somewhere around there, like Italy. And... You know, when you go to a, like you go to a country and you just see the food in the windows of the cafes and the restaurants and you see everyone eating pasta on the side of the road and it just looks like such a great experience. But my mum would be like, why would we spend money on this restaurant food when we can explore everything it, this, you know, city, this countryside has to offer? We're going to get supermarket sandwiches. And I hated it oh. like I resented having to go to like 
supermarkets or gas stations or you know highway rest points to pick up and you know a Marks and Spencer sandwich like because a, you guys wouldn't be able to eat yeah. this like exotic food yeah that like you traveled half the world to experience we would always get a meal deal and it <laughs> it drove me up the wall and I would just be and I'm a foodie and I would just see people having like fresh grilled seafood from the Mediterranean and being like I'm eating a tuna mayo sandwich oh my god and so as when I became like when I started earning my own money and when I go on holiday, I drop mad cash on food. You'll go to the nicest restaurant. I will go to the nicest you'll like, restaurant. So you'll you'll plan months ahead. You know, if you're yes. going. OK, I respect that. I really <laughs> respect that because I understand the value of a good meal uh, in a high quality restaurant. And Singapore, yeah. like we're foodies. We all respect yeah. that. Like because we will wait in line for a good meal. And when we book our tickets oh. to a travel, we're probably researching what are the best restaurants there so we can experience yeah. it too. And it's not mm -hmm. even like a, it's not even like a, I have to go to the fanciest place. Like I love street food and I just, I need the exposure to all of it. I just mm. don't want to rule out paying extra for a meal I really like to try. Mm. And while for my mom, her relationship with food is very functional. Right. I have a passion for it and I can't live my life staring at other people eat the things I really want to try. Interesting. So, yeah, I think like, I don't know, I, I'm going to float this question around with other friends mm. who grew up and I'm just putting it as like an Asian mom because we all know the stereotype. It could come from different cultures, but this is the one that Marissa yeah. and I experienced. Yeah. Um, but the, the mindset, it's definitely their generation and their parents' generation. And obviously my mom ca came from a low-income household when she was growing up. So there's definitely that degree of like saving money. I mean, yeah. my dad, um, he was a very successful businessman, but my dad still is really happy with just boiled potatoes and like a couple of sausages for dinner. He's German, hence the very mm, German dinner. Mm, meat, and, yeah, meat and spuds. Meat, spuds, and like a good piece of bread because... And he, a beer. And, and a beer. Because <laughs> he grew up after the war in Germany and he je actually experienced food scarcity because that was his like childhood yeah. after, you know, poverty and everything. And it's so everything. interesting to see how that threads through into his, you know, later life and into his kids' yeah. life. Yeah, so everyone has like this money story that they see through their parents. And it's like, you know, you have my dad and just he was successful in business, but he will still like go crazy um, if he would saw the price at the end of a menu or he still to this day refuses to fly business class. Yeah. He refused. Like there are just some things people will just always have with them when it comes to their relationship with money, even if they get to the point in their lives where they can afford it 10 times. But exactly. That's the thing that even if I was a millionaire, I just would not see the value in paying for business class when I'm just trying to get A to B. Like I'm not on a flight for the luxury. I'm on a flight to get to the other side where then... Okay, wait, I'm wait, wait. So you, if you were a millionaire, you wouldn't throw down for business class? Mm, okay, you know what? Premium I economy? I can't speak from my lack of experience. Let me get rich first. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, let me, let me experience being that disgustingly wealthy and then we'll decide how we feel about I, it. I've never personally paid for a business class ticket, but I have been flown business class for work reasons. Okay, so this yeah. is it. I've been flown business for work and thought, well, this is dope. Yeah. <laughs> you but, get it. You kind of get it yeah. when you're sitting first class and you're like, 
I get it, but, but I could still never. Yeah, it's just like, am I going to pay a thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars for the same journey? And I just that that fourteen extra grand's going to like a three Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> uh, I remember um, I was flying to London for the Europe Music Awards, and MTV was flying me out, and this was like really during one of the peak years of my MTV times. And I was getting on the flight, SQ, and I remember there was a really lovely British woman in front of me. And we were walking through the aisles and we were getting past like, you know, the first class cabin and then you move on to economy. And she she was she was like a very typical, lovely British woman that just talks to everybody, mm. you know, just really kind. Mm. And we were waiting there and I could see my seat just a row down in business in first class, business class. Either or. Either or. Great situation. Class. And she turned around and looked at me and she was like, would be nice to sit here, wouldn't it? Something and like that. Like, and okay. I, literally, <laughs> and I literally just like nodded. And then we took two steps forward and then I sat down in my seat. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> she was probably like, fuck. <laughs> oh my God. It felt so good. I think... Because, uh, again, like, I think maybe if I got to the point where I was that wealthy, then it's something I could be like, I can afford myself this luxury. And that, okay, so that's wait, a, that's the so thing what are the luxuries at this point? Late 20s, you know, you've been working professionally for some time now, living alone, mm. you got that independent finance going on. What are, like, two luxuries that you allow yourself that would make your mom <laughs> react? Honestly, it's not even that much of a luxury. Just taking grabs. I was like, I would plan every single time I had a social thing, 45 minutes door to door. And I would always be ready like two hours before because I'd always think the bus journey, MRT journey is going to take me a while. And now I'm like, yeah, but I could be there in 10 minutes versus 45. I have $10. Let's do it. And that was the thing where my mom was like, Marissa, why are you spending so much money on public transport? And it was this point of being like I'm finally at a stage almost 30 of being like <laughs> I can afford a cab <laughs> and the other the, the oh the second thing I don't know the second thing would naturally be travel okay. but my mom would never be like don't spend money on travel my mom is such like a she's a travel person so she she, she yeah. understands yeah but, I think for but then the food on the travel is still <laughs> so for my mom it would definitely be food yeah you've had that reaction because guys I I occasionally allow myself the luxury. You buy yourself the world's most expensive yogurt. Okay, it's really good. It's though. delicious. And it comes in a glass mason jar and it's like dairy free coconut yogurt no, by it's, that. It's it's delicious. Uh, like I'm not I'm not faulting you on any of that, but the price tag. Oh my god. It's true. If my mom knew how much I spent on a pot of yogurt, she would she'd Actually, I don't know what she'd do. I, I haven't thought that far because I just don't want to imagine the nightmare. But one interesting thing is because you were saying that your dad, obviously growing up in post-war Germany and that like the the economic hardship and how it affected his life. And obviously, despite having built a super successful business, he still sticks to that frugality. Oh, yeah. And then I'm looking at my dad in contrast. And my dad grew up in the English countryside in Cornwall, if anyone <laughs> has heard of it. Um, great place highly recommend and then paid his way through university doing all kinds of like farm jobs factory jobs warehouse jobs all of it and so his thing was that he once he kind of earned a bit of money was successful in business 
said, I don't want to live as frugally as I had to back then. I want to be able to enjoy what I've made. Mm. And that was something he imparted on me as well, much to my mum's dismay, because she was like, oh my God, you should be saving it and buying a house, which is the goal, but we're a little far off. Um, And so my dad would take us to these really nice restaurants and really nice holidays and be like, I want you to treat this as aspirational. It's not an all the time thing, but I want you to reach to be able to afford this for yourself one Mm. day. And that's always been in the back of my mind. So one of the um, positive things that my parents left on me in terms of my material spending would be prioritizing quality Mm -hmm. and uniqueness. So while I definitely went through this vengeful, like, I'm going to buy and express myself, I went hard and I still have a lot of like, I harbor guilt towards my fast fashion habits in my early 20s. Okay. We all, okay, I really do. We didn't know better. We know better now. We didn't know better. We know better now. Exactly. Um, But I was just explaining to Marissa, like my mom and dad both have really good taste like my mom was a fashion writer for a while she just she she knows her brands she knows her styles um my dad he's an artist so his own wardrobe is very eccentric um i dig that so much (laughs) like my dad wears like the kind of jewelry where back then i didn't see men wearing those levels of jewelry like i don't know how to explain so cool but okay (laughs) but um one thing i did learn from them is if you're gonna buy clothes like costume anything make sure it's unique and make sure it's of quality yes yeah yes so now i know when i make purchases i'm no longer throwing my cash at those soul sucking fast fashion companies like i used to mm. now i'm being really conscious of like is this going to last me is this unique and is this really who i am and now in my late 20s my older age i can show my mom my wardrobe and be like look what i got here and here and it's sort of like we're exchanging our treasure finds mm, versus yeah. before where i would have this harboring vibe where i was like come up with a new outfit and she'd be like where'd you get that and i'd be almost like none of your business <laughs> <laughs> oh but i think there is something to be said about i think what our mums and in your case especially your dad taught you is actually no to be fair my dad too is the incredible importance of saving but then at least for me it got to the stage of realizing that i was doing everything to save as much as i could and that i wasn't actually enjoying any of what i had earned for myself right and like i i genuinely like that's why i I lived really frugally like i took the bus everywhere or the mrt i would go for really cost-effective meals like i travel i would also do frugally so responsible of you because in my mind it was all of this money that you're scraping together like this little mound that you're you're creating is for that house or for your future family or like this big picture future rather than being like yeah but i should be able to enjoy it now like Mm. i work so hard yeah to be able to see something you know in a shop on a menu a flight ticket and be like i can afford that comfortably i'm gonna do it yeah it's a wonderful feeling i definitely i mean i i mix on both like Mm. i am i'd say i've always been responsible of tucking away some money for a rainy day but i also really admire samantha from sex in the city and how she lives that single woman childless life (laughs) (laughs) you guys know what i mean by that while we're in that situation we should embrace the same approach exactly i am right now you know i'm independent i'm young i've got energy i have an income i have no children i'm tech like i only really need to look out for myself right now so i definitely 
throw down on that expensive yogurt and don't feel bad about it. But I think that's the thing, though, that everyone or everyone, a lot of people fail to understand that, like, being selfish about your own finances is okay. Mm -hmm. I think there's almost this guilt that's attached to your spending money that could be going elsewhere. But finances run deep as well as, like, culturally. Like, there are some cultures and some friends where their income is not necessarily theirs, right? They have to support their family or or help others or kind of pull it in because they're living under one roof. There are so many different unique situations for people's independent financial situations that, guys, we're really just drifting off our own beliefs here. But also, I mean, just generally relationships with money can be really tricky. Mm, Like 100%. There are people who genuinely just want to get rich i don't really know what they plan on doing with it or why it's so important but that is their end goal i just want a massive number in my bank account yeah so i read this well no i heard this thing on tiktok and it was this guy going off on a little bit of a rant and he said there's this famous story these two philosophers i forgot their names but the whole story is that they enter a rich man's house and this man has just wealth dripping in the finest things, all this mm-hmm. material. They sit down at his dinner table. It's the finest foods. And one of these philosophers says, this rich man may have everything he wants in the world, but I have something that he will never have. I have enough. That's a massive thing. Right? I think for me, in terms of knowing when you've had enough is when you're able to live life exactly how you envisioned it and comfortably that you don't worry about where the next thing is coming from or like you don't have that question mark of can I actually afford this then that's enough like then you're good but to be like I mean I could just buy another McLaren car or I could sure, buy a Porsche yes. or a, a Bugatti <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and be like yeah I mean yeah I'm gonna drive it once and probably give it away but yeah. like I don't like that life no. that sounds no, I don't like it. I, it. It lacks the it lacks the ironically the richness of it all because it's yeah, it's material. For sure. I think I mean there's so much in that, right? When we talk about enough in a material sense because then we need to discover what each person's enough is and then break down you know the difference between money and wealth. Cuz people who have like lots of money, right? There is that that like stereotypical like new money right mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. people just I'm have new money I, <laughs> where they're the first or second generation of their line community where they actually have money so they go out and they spend like crazy a little bit like what i did in okay, my fast maybe fashion terms i'm not new money not yet but they they kind of like i have money i'm gonna go out and get my material and that was what they wanted that's what they have whereas wealth wealth is not i don't is think knowing you can what you can afford and not necessarily getting all of it for the sake of it no, I think wealth doesn't even boil down to a number anymore. It's I more think like- wealth is about investing in experiences and education and about like sharing your wealth. It's it's not so much about let me go and prove. It's about now I have this. What is my understanding of what I can do and impact with this? I would say that for me, I would define wealth slightly differently in that I think it's being able to afford the things that you value most. And that covers all of it. And then in terms of like being experience driven, I think that's something that's actually really unique to our generation and probably the generation below. And what do you mean? Ex- what do you mean by that? In terms of like where we want to spend our money isn't about, you know, buying the fancy car or the fancy house or, you know, 
the fancy bottle of wine. It's, it's, I want to be able to travel and have that freedom and experience the world. Yeah. I think that is um, a level of mindfulness, consciousness, yeah. and just being a more woke to what we can do with our money and our choices. But I think the idea of enough gets really lost in a consumer-driven world, right? Like we walk, it is impossible in Singapore to walk anywhere or get from point A to point B without something being shoved down your face to buy or but, purchase. But do you feel that temptation to buy when you see it? A little bit. Really? A little bit. I mean, I not always, but a little bit. And that's, I think there's just something about the shiny and the new and the marketing. Like it, I'm definitely, I, I don't feel... I mean, it sucks to admit, but I definitely am a consumer where it's like, oh my God, that's so nice. I want it. Okay. I'm not at the point where I'm like, no. For me, <laughs> for me, it's like, and this is something that happened in the past week is, you know, those nine, nine sales, 10, 10, 11, 11, yeah, yeah. those sales. And every single time it comes about, I'm like, ooh, like maybe we're going to buy something. And I'll log on to Lazada or Shopee or whatever website is doing a promotion and then the moment I log on, I just think there's genuinely nothing I need. So then I just shut it down because mm. I, I don't need anything at this point in time. And there isn't anything I materially want right now either. That's why birthdays are so difficult for me in terms of when someone says, what do you want? Honestly, travel money. I know. Every it's year. Me and Ung Pao. Travel money. Mm. Anyone listening that wants to don't travel money for when these borders open up. Yeah. I think another thing I have been feeling recently in terms of like themes of the week, I've been going through um, one of my decluttering series Yeah, that happens about four times a year. I just That's a to, lot. I know, but I, I really don't like, because I, I think also in my home, I have a lot of textures, colors, and patterns. Yeah, so, that's what I love about your place. But if I have too much stuff, then it becomes too much. Quick note, beautiful plant. It's a new plant. Yes. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> you can't see it, but there's no, a beautiful that I don't, plant. Because I have so much like, uh, like visually loud things, I don't like to overclutter because then there's a very thin line of when there's too much stuff. Yeah. So fair. I constantly try to refresh, renew, check on my wardrobe. Like, do I really need this? Put it into storage, sell it secondhand. And I guess I've just coming off of this like Marie Kondo moment, this topic of like stuff and frugality has just been so recent for me because as I go through my stuff and get rid of it, I feel like I have too much stuff. Like I've actually been experiencing eco guilt like I'm trying to have a more sustainable approach to my life, be more considered with the things that I bring into my home. And yet here I have this like really first world problem of like, I've got so much stuff. What do I do with it? Give it to people who need it. it. <sighs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Give it away. Um, but yeah, I just wonder, like, am I the only one who goes through these moments that feel this? It's like fighting a battle with consumerism. No, I think you're definitely not the only person who goes with it because I think a lot of us have been a lot more conscious of it or made aware of it than we've ever been before because we have, you know, documentaries like Cowspiracy, Seaspiracy, What the Health, like all these, yeah. all these different things that are pointing out all the reasons that the world is just not doing okay. <laughs> so bit of a controversial topic, right? influencers instagrammers we do get given a lot of stuff you guys get gifted so much stuff. it actually is ridiculous and we all know that the cosmetic industry is one of the biggest polluting industries because of the single-use plastic that these products come in mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so 
it's again, it's like a first world problem because you're complaining that you've been given so much stuff. But the reality is that you don't know what to do with it. I mean, so sure, like you tell, and I know that I'm not the only one who experiences this. I've talked to other people who have a following and are in this media gifting world where we've talked to brands and we say, we please, there's so much packaging. We, we don't want this gifting. But then I feel like the onus rests on the companies that are providing this stuff like okay so wait as as someone who's not in the industry right yeah. if you have an influencer complaining that she gives too much she gets given too much stuff what is that whose fault is that like where like is it her you know what i mean i just i feel like there should be more of a conscious effort from the brands to be like do we need to give these girls all of this mm -hmm. and are they realistically gonna use all of this and i just don't think i mean like i would i don't know what it's like to just receive a whole bunch of you know press gifts media gifts all the time but it would drive me mental to just have delivery after delivery of shit that i probably don't need i'm you not gonna need. really realistically use i have one face and you're gonna give me what 20 shades of foundation <laughs> true story though guys true story this has happened to me like makeup brands they just say that we want to give you a little gift and then before you know it it shows up at your door and you have like five shades of foundation yeah and you you it's just it's such a warped reality to be in because there's, there's you don't want to seem ungrateful and like you do draw your boundaries but it's still not a solution Maybe there needs to be some kind of nonprofit organization that can like collect and redistribute these to say, for example, you know, underprivileged women who are applying for jobs mm -hmm. and would like to do up their faces. They do they, exist. Yeah. They do like, exist. Those sorts of organizations would be great to if you have extra supply, give it to people who really like really genuinely do need it. And like, yeah. And we do, 100%. And it gets given out, it gets uh, distributed out. There was an influencer who sold it, but she didn't change her name. That's dumb. And the brand contacted her, and it was this whole drama. And they're like, we gave you something, and then you're just selling it. And she was like, technically, it's my right to do what I want once I have ownership of this product. Yeah. But she just changed your name, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the point is, is that it, it's been bringing up a lot of the whole idea of my responsibility as an individual. Mm. And, you know, this this warped situation as being on the receiving end and having this first world problem of just having too much stuff. It's like something I never thought I would be in before. Hmm. No, I get it. I do get it. I think I like there's. I think all of us could afford to not have as much stuff as we likely have in, yeah. our, in our wardrobes, in our kitchens and whatever. Like food waste for me is a no-go. Like I can't, I feel awful if I waste food. Oh my God, that's another thing my mom yeah. would always say. I, I can't. Mom will be like, we have food at home. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> don't like, no, we don't need this. We have food at home. And now I get it. I don't, just like, I don't understand, for example, if you, I don't know, you buy a, a bag of salad leaves mm. and, then you, and then you decide not to eat a salad and then it just rots in your fridge and then you throw it away. And I'm like, that. That's food. Oh, I turn it to pesto. That's a genius idea, but <laughs> okay, beyond salad. <laughs> I have so much pesto, you guys. <laughs> I just, like, I just, I can't, that's where, because I'm not a huge shopper. I don't actually buy that many clothes and I don't, as you know, because I just bought a pair of pants and you were like, wow, new item. Um, and I don't buy a lot of makeup and okay, yeah, dining out is great, but like, I cannot handle 
food waste. Because mm. I feel awful for if I've bought too much and then it just rotted or like someone else could have had that food. Someone mm. else could have, you know, I just, I get, I get really bad food guilt. Yeah. Food guilt, eco guilt, all these things are real. And I'm, I mean, we cannot be the only ones for sure. So guys, if you're tuning in, let us know. And actually, I should probably host a giveaway for the excess cosmetics I have. I will enter this giveaway. You are the first. You have first pick in all my giveaways. Yeah. What are you talking about? No, no. So you cannot <laughs> enter this one. Okay, fine. <laughs> you can't. You have so much of the stuff. I thought I had like priority access. Yeah. Okay. No, guys, I'm going to organize something of a giveaway. That'll be on our page. Um, but let us know, you know, on the topic of material, of being a con yeah. conscious consumer, of what living. What do you splurge on? Yeah. What are you frugal about? What do you feel guilty about, if anything? And what efforts are you making to either, you know, save your planet or save your bank balance? Either way, we'd love to hear from you guys. Just keeping it real. I think this is a good time to round out. Yeah, so we got to go to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> go balance out this tan, man. Oh. Okay. I'm sorry. Have you seen the tan Yeah, lines? actually, I can't even look at you as I say that because you have an insane tan line right now. It's okay. It's not that bad. I started evening it out, but it's a really good thing that none of you guys can see it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of this episode. You know the deal. Do it all. Do it. Do like it. it. Just please do it. Please. Let us know we're not alone. And yeah, appreciate you. Okay, bye.